Warning, the following contains audio of two good friends attempting to discuss music with no qualifications whatsoever. No one asked for this, but you're going to get it. There will be shitty hot takes, terrible opinions, and impressions done poorly. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, friends. We're back again. Tell a friend. Here at the Brood Book in Davenport, Iowa, it is time for your favorite part of your Friday afternoon for music, Maria. And Ulstrick. Anyways, we are back, uh, still with a one mic operation. We should be getting back to our two mic setup here soon. Thanks for bearing with us, even though I'm pretty sure you couldn't tell because we editing magic and whatnot. But we like to be transparent with our friends and whatnot. And today we are going to go ahead and discuss an album that we felt is either underrated at the time, underrated in general, or maybe just didn't get the respect we felt like it deserved at the time and so i will be discussing kendrick lamar's wonderful project good kid mad city and before i just get into my thoughts about this album i'm gonna go ahead and let you tell the people what you suggested to me because once i get this cart running we're just running down the hill it is just all speed ahead scorched earth so what did, what did you have in mind <laughs> yeah this is probably wise because she's hot i'm very lukewarm over here um <laughs> so the album that i gave you this week was uh, dream theaters the astonishing which is the band's second concept album and it is a large-scale two-act record that spans just over two hours across 34 tracks and before anybody gives me crap for it this is not payback for tupac this literally did just fit the underrated bill um but it was met with mixed reception because it was more rock inspired and more It sounded like a soundtrack in a musical almost, which is the point of the album. So I don't know. It's like when people uh, watched the show Gotham and they were like, where's Batman? And it's like, he wasn't in the show. Like, that wasn't the point. Like, why are you getting mad about something that was told to you from the start? But regardless, (laughs) this album, I I don't know. It was mixed. I liked it. I think it's my favorite. I lost my train of thought. I'm going to hand it to you. All right, then. So, yeah, before I I get into my ire of Kendrick and this glorious album that did not get the goddamn respect it deserved, I'm going to talk about Dream Theater because I feel like I had a really great time with this album and it will bring me back to my zen, bring me back to my little happy place here. Yeah, and then we're we're just going to pick it back up. Like, I'm going to think about it again and then I'm going to get mad all over again. So let's just chat it up. Maybe we should have flipped it the other way around so you end happy, but we're already here now. <laughs> we are. I like causing myself pain. We got to leave off on a high note, brother. We got to maybe my rage will translate to other people's rage. So that way, when they end off this episode, they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm mad, too, because I guess if I feel mad, then other people should feel mad. I guess that's the theme of this episode. Mad. That's just the album title. Mad. <laughs> So yeah, I'll go ahead and and go into to Dream Theater because we are all over the place today as we are on any other day, I suppose. I have like a three-page thesis on this album and remind me because again, it is also on brand for me to forget things all the time, almost every day. Did you tell me when you had suggested this album that this was a concept album? No, I did not. Okay, because I was like, bitch, (laughs) 
when I heard it, I was like, just from the intro, I was like, is this a motherfucking concept album? Because as much as, you know, I, I love a lot of things, as we've discussed on this podcast, you know, I'm a one, a, a bitch who's moody sometimes, two, a bitch who loves learning, and now three, I'm a bitch who loves concept albums. This is the shit. So as soon as I realized this was a concept album, I was like strapped in audio only i'm like mimicking a seat belt i'm like raising the thing from like the roller coaster like i am just in i am ready for dream theater let's go and so i unfortunately will not be talking too much about the musical quality but instead what my canon is for this entire album and then like the astute journalist i am i went ahead and i googled what like the meaning or the idea was for it and we're gonna kind of compare and see if i was correct in my astute observations so i'm gonna set the scene for you guys i'm gonna tell you a story you're buckling in with me we're on for the ride the first song is the gift of music and it just was like heavy video game anime introducing our hero vibes like this is literally the score to the scene in a music video where you're like or in a movie where you're introducing the hero and you're like this is the guy you should like and cheer for because he takes care of his grandma and he feeds the plants and he's just a noble guy like he might be a little guy but he's got heart and he's ready for some adventure and i said yes you are let's go on this adventure so next song um we go into the lord i'm gonna butcher that lord how do you pronounce the that name on the track list nefarious why is it spelled like that is it just edgy (laughs) all right nefarious with edgy spelling that is the villain song so at least in every movie active media you have the introduction of the hero and now we have the introduction of the villain and he's big and spooky and bad and the overruler of the entire kingdom or town or whatever have you and if you ever want to chime in just let me know (laughs) i'm still on the point because i I feel like it wasn't picked up by the mic about how to spell nefarious do you have it with you how it was spelled i can look it's fine no it's a n-a-f-a-r-y-u-s it's just nefarious and it's so frustrating for me. This is why I hate fantasy. I don't want to get too off topic here. But this is one of the qualms that I have with it. Because that's just nefarious. Like, why did they just add a few letters and take a few letters out? It's just, it's so bothersome to me. So I wanted to add that for the listener at home. That's all. Yes, thank you for your contributions. Now you're mad. <laughs> that was the thing to get you. Now we're both mad. Great. So yeah nefarious lord nefarious i'm assuming that's his name we meet him he's a terrible human he's coming to fuck shit up oh no so now we go into savior for the square this is the song where the hero begins his journey he realizes oh no i'm the only person who can save this poor tiny toad village of peasants i must go even though i myself am a tiny toad man myself uh but he sucks the the hero just objectively sucks like he's not athletic He's not your typical hero guy. So that's when your time has come comes along. And this is the montage song. But I specifically noted, but he sucks. Like he just keeps like running into trees, keeps like falling off things. He tries to do like that crane karate pose and somebody just like blows him over. And they're like, this is our guy who's going to save the kingdom. What is this? Who have you brought to me? And so we go into act of faith and again spelled so weird why is it spelled like that to 
the listeners, it is spelled F-A-Y-T-H-E. I feel like those like edgy people who name their kids, but like spell them really funky. It's like your name is Steve. Why is it spelled like Stev? <laughs> like it just makes no sense. But no hate to dream theater. We love the edginess. We love the innovations. Go off Kings. Uh, yeah. So act of faith. We're here. It's put up or shut up time. You know, he's really down on himself. He doesn't really think that he can do it. But this is like his Mulan moment where like that scene in Mulan where like she has to climb up the pole and reach the things at the end of like make a man out of you. I feel like this is his moment. This is that time. So while our hero is getting ready for battle, he's getting ready to fight Lord Nefarious. We go back to Lord Nefarious and see what he's doing. It's another villain monologue. He's revealing his master plan. Like this is his biz musical number where he's like, I'm gonna buy all the land and scorch all the earth and kill all the children. But musically, and you're like, oh no, it really sets the stakes, really sets the stage here. So three days he gives the people three days before his plan comes to fruition, which isn't a lot of time for the hero to get his shit together. So time's a ticking. We got to pick it up here. Time to, you know, nut up or shut up. So <laughs> that goes into brother. Can you hear me? Question mark. This is the motivating force. This is the you can do it moment. And by golly, this man nails that crane kick for some reason. Now, after only two days or whatever, he, you know, chops blocks with his hands. He's ready to go off to battle now because that's how montages work. He's ready to live. And I say, good for you. We don't have a name for this protagonist, which is also bothersome. But, you know, we'll just call him Steve, I guess. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> but his name is Steve. Okay. So... While he is going off to battle, now that he is prepared after a day and a half worth of montages, we hear a life left behind, which I think is like his backstory and like really what the stakes are at hand. Like his grandma is sick as home. He's always been a loser. For some reason, his brother got kidnapped by Lord Nefarious and he just doesn't know what to do. So this is him before him in like battle mode. Yeah, this is him in, like, tiny man mode. Weenie Hut Jr. So we, we need to see where he was to see how far he's come. And I feel like with A Life Left Behind, that song was, like, very reminiscent. It felt, like, very nostalgic in its tone. And also, I will say, to at least talk somewhat about this musical quality and not just turn this into shitty fan fiction of my own, I thought the score was really well done. I felt like every song had a high musical quality to it. Like I could see this being in like a television or a video game soundtrack, just something very high quality and very professionally done, whether it be like the vocals, the music, the instrumentals, 10, 10. It's all great. Now back to the story. Uh, so we got the backstory of Stev and it turns out that in Raven's kill or Raven's skill, kill, Raven's kill confirmed, uh, it turns out that his brother actually wasn't kidnapped by the villain at all. His brother has been working with the villain this whole time. And I'll understand, like, how does this happen? I'll explain it to you. When you listen to the song, it starts off very slow and very lamenting. So I imagine this is the time where we think the brother's been kidnapped. Because it's like, oh, he's very sorrowful. He's very sad. He's very wistful. But then that guitar kicks in and just punches you right in the face. And that's some sinister-ass guitar. So it's like a midway 
heel turn from the brother like you're not kidnapped at all you've been working with lord nefarious this whole time but of course stev doesn't know that he's coming to save your ass so it's like oh no what is stev walking into and yeah um i was listening to this all while i was making more buns so uh i did not list everything for every single song i apologize we'll just assume from now until a new beginning is stev's journey onto the fortress so stev's on his way his brother's an asshole grandma's dying we got to get it together a new beginning happens he enters the fortress this is the first battle of the entire fucking movie slash canon all right we're getting into it he does surprisingly well. I feel like there's a sense of renewed optimism in this song because obviously a new beginning, but just the guitar, the vocals. Uh, I'll have to look up the guy's name who sings. He can be added to our list of good friends. <laughs> James Labrie. James Labrie. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, we get into a moment of betrayal and heaven's cove i feel like these songs perfectly coincide with each other i feel like they're very complimentary just in their tone and their content and it turns out that during the battle stev is kind of getting his ass kicked but then there's like that small glimmer of hope where he sees his brother and he's like oh my god you're alive and stev thinks for a moment that his brother's gonna help him only to find out that his brother's been working with lord nefarious and heaven's cove has that very heart-wrenching terrible content so poor stev how are we gonna how are we gonna deal with this so that leads perfectly into begin again and i even wrote down an exact quote an exact lyric that perfectly feeds into my canon so you can't tell me differently stev is very disappointed by this very sad because he went on this journey to find his brother to begin with only to find out he's an asshole and so one of the lyrics is at last the truth has been revealed and so now what is he going to do with this information? His, you know, battle has been lost because his brother's a dick. And now it's time for bad guy stuff in the path that decides. So now that Stev has been quote unquote eliminated from the equation, it's time for them to, you know, go about their plan that they had over in three days. It is the third day. It is time to fuck some shit up. What are we going to do? More bun making occurs. So the last note that I have is for our new world. Stev really, you know, comes up by his bootstraps or rallying the troops. In all caps, I put, let's go. And so, like a movie, the good guys conquer all. The brother has a Darth Vader moment, I feel like, in the last song. It's very much like, I'm sorry that I have wronged you, but now we're coming together. We are coalescing. We are, what's the word I'm looking for? Coming together. Something like that. The, anyways, it, everybody ends up happy. Grandma doesn't die. Lord Nefarious is defeated. His brother has understood the errors of his ways. The kingdom is saved. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to follow that. That was uh, pretty incredible. That was a good monologue. Um, the only actual note that I can give you from what I can remember, because it's been a couple years since I've read this book, uh, which, by the way, it's not that good of a book, unfortunately. I was pretty disappointed by it. But I would still like to see it as a movie someday. Um, Faith is a person. That's why it's spelled so weirdly. But even still, Faith is an actual name that I've seen people have, so I don't know why I spelled it differently. It's just stupid fantasy crap. <laughs> but I, I appreciate the uh, the canon. Uh, only other thing is that this uh, story 
you got the basic of it. It's just that bad guy, good guy comes up and stops him. But it is basically about how music was banned in this world. And he's coming back with music and he uses the power of music to help everybody. That's the main driving force for this. But you got the, I mean, you basically got it. So Heck yeah. And so I went ahead and I, I did Google, like I promised, what the actual meaning would be. And so, yeah, you are correct in that. And it also says that it was inspired by contemporary fantasy and science fiction franchises such as Game of Thrones and Star Wars, as well as uh, their observations on the ubiquity of technological automation in modern day society. That's hella deep. That's more deep than my observation of Stev doing shitty crane kicks. But both can be true. I am allowing that. Yeah, I would say to add on to it, it's like, it's kind of about like manufactured music in its own right too, where it's like, you know, not like actually inspired music. And I I feel like, I feel like around this time, there were a lot of talks of like holograms and stuff, like the Tupac hologram doing that Ronnie James Dio was like, isn't it the same as seeing them live? And it's like, not really. It's kind of like, it's an odd, oddball concept. So I feel like a lot of these themes played a factor into it. Absolutely. The Tupac hologram was weird. I still have mixed feelings about that. But also, I found out in my research that this album was uh, the first Dream Theater album to reach number one on the U.S. Billboard Rock Chart. So, heck yeah. Yeah, and with that, um, wrapping it up, I did want to pose a question to you just about prog rock in general. Because I have noticed this, and you are my comprehensive source (laughs) on all things prog rock. So, um, I noticed that, like... A lot of these bands had gotten their start pretty like long before our time. Like even for these guys, it says they got banded in 1985. So I'm wondering, has like prog rock been around for like a hot minute? Or like, is that just like a genre that is more akin to like bands that have like formed earlier on, I suppose? Like, is there any kind of contingency on where prog rock started or anything like that? So I can try my best. I like you don't have a lot of knowledge as much as I'd like to think I do, but yeah, it's been around for a minute because I could be wrong here, but if you ask me who the first prog rock band is, it's probably Rush and they started in 1969. So yeah, it was like Rush. I mean, Boston was a, a prog rock ish band. Cause I mean, foreplay long time is a, uh, uh, very much a prog rock song. Uh, sticks was around they're called arena rock but i disagree with that i I don't agree with it i think they're they have some progressive tendencies to it there's probably some other bands i'm missing in there led zeppelin's probably another good example too because cashmere is like an eight minute song uh in my time of dying is like 12 minutes so yeah um it's been around for a hot minute i i like i said if i had to venture a guess the first prog rock band that i know of is rush and they came around in 1969 so it has been around for a minute and it is still going strong. So I, I couldn't tell you the first prog metal band that I know either off the top of my head. I feel like prog metal is more recent than prog rock. But yeah, it has been around for quite some time. If that answers your question, I'm not sure if I did or not. No, it absolutely did. I just basically, I worded that incredibly terribly. I was just wondering if that genre had been around for a minute or if it was a newer genre. I should have just asked that. But you know, me and words, we got to have a complicated conspiracy against each other. So thanks for answering. <laughs> I actually do have something to add on top because I Googled it while you were talking. The first prog rock band is apparently the Moody Blues, and it was 1967, which they are really good, too. Uh, Nights in White Satin is a really good track. But, um, yeah, before I wrap this up, I'm actually curious. uh, Did you have a favorite track? Oh, yes. I didn't even realize I got so wrapped up into my 
canon here. I will say that, gosh, they're all so good. I will go ahead and go with the gift of music just because it hooked me in so much so that like I kid you not, and this might be an overgeneralization, but literally from like the first few minutes of hearing that song, I immediately thought, this is definitely my favorite album that you've given me so far. Just from that one song. I was like, this is incredible. Revolutionary, iconic, never before seen. And it just perfectly fit with the album art too. Like, ah, it was all just so perfectly synced up. Like they knew what they were doing. This was an artistic vision. This was art. So absolutely, that would probably be my, my favorite. All right. Well, thanks for your time. And we are back. I am here with a, a mouthful of fire, like a fire-breathing dragon. Let's get into it. The people have been waiting long enough. We are talking about Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. Came out technically in 2012, but just a phenomenal hip-hop album, just above all else. Um, I will start with complimentary things. First, you know, nice little wave of pleasantry before anything else. Yeah, definitely one of the best hip-hop albums that I've ever heard in my lifetime. Definitely top five. I remember when this album came out, I had specifically asked for headphones for Christmas. Just like the really nice, like high-definition headphones, just so I could listen to this album. And when I tell you, it was a magical experience. The first time I plugged in my headphones and listened to it, incredible. Revolutionary. Never before seen. And now into my ire, into my distaste, into why I feel like this fits the theme of today of why this album is underrated. Uh, because as everybody, I'm sure, is aware, at least in the hip-hop fandom, Kendrick Lamar is fantastic. There is no doubt about that. Like, I even dare to say that people might not consider this album to be underrated because it was praised by like critics, fans, everyone alike. But the reason why it is here today is because at the Grammys, this was nominated for Best Rap Album, as it should have been. Everyone was stoked for him. Everyone was great. It was a water is wet kind of situation. And so everyone thought it was a shoe in because it was by far and large the best rap album of that year. Just incredible work. But he did not. And who won best rap album in 2013? Fucking Macklemore with The Heist. Before we started recording, I just really had to fully engrossed Drake in my rage over the situation to this day why I'm still just so goddamn mad about this I played him thrift shop by Macklemore which was the lead single on that album and with that in mind <sighs> injustice just by all accounts like how how does this happen how does this happen and the only way I can assume is just because old white men in the academy just get to decide what's good and what's not in terms of popular music even though in situations like this they have not a goddamn clue what they're talking about and yet i'm not the only person who felt this way macklemore himself texted kendrick amar and i quote i pulled up the text message i have the receipts he texted kendrick that night or you know recently he said and i quote you got robbed I wanted you to win. You should have. It's weird and it sucks that I robbed you. I was going to say that during the speech, but then they started playing that music during my speech and I froze. Anyway, you know what it is. Congrats on this year and your music. I appreciate you as an artist and as a friend. Much love. And when the man himself who wins the Grammy says, nah, dog, you definitely should have won that. What the fuck? Okay, that is just... To this day, 
I love this album. I listen to this album regularly just because it's fantastic, including the deluxe, which is what I specifically gave to you. And I'm like, how? Just even if it was a room full of old, musty, dusty, crusty white men making this decision, I just feel like in no way, shape, or form is no shade to Macklemore either. I think Thrift Shop is a fun song. Like his album, The Heist, I haven't heard it, but I'm sure it was a fun album. Best rap album of the year? I don't think so. No, not when it's matched up against this album. So with that said, I feel like that was a lot more (laughs) composed than I thought it was going to be. But mainly because we don't have all day to be here either. The Brood Book is going to close soon and we got shit to talk about. So go on, Drake. (laughs) Let me know. (laughs) All right. So again, I have to follow you after your story time and your anger and i'm gonna try my best over here it's like you're the white family versus the uso is a battleground i don't know what i'm gonna do here <laughs> so my first impression of it um i will say the album as a whole musically was really good um i preferred the back half of the album though a lot more than i did the front half and it had a lot to do with the lyrics because lyrically i think this album <laughs> spans what I love and what I don't love about rap music, in my opinion, because, I mean, there's one line in uh, Backseat Freestyle, Freestyle. there we go, that's the word, Um, where he talks about (laughs) the fact that he's got bitches, a wife, a mistress, and a girlfriend, and I'm like, "Eh." that's, I, I felt uncomfortable listening to that personally, and he also talks about how he wants his penis to be an Eiffel Tower in that same song. Yes. Yeah. Not for me personally. And this is coming off Run DMC where they're talking about women like a a sweet young thing with Jerry Curls, which is all right. I can deal with that. And then we're talking about this now. It's a bit of a culture shock for me. Um, But I'm I'm just going to move past it because the second half, lyrically, amazing. I, I loved it because some of it, at least from what I gathered, was talking about like drug addiction, specifically alcohol addiction with swimming pool. I thought that was really good. I thought specifically his con he was like, he was talking as his consciousness to himself. And I thought that was very, very good. I really liked that. Um, and then he was talking about like mortality and the very, uh, not the last song. No, uh, what's the word? Anti-penultimate is the third to last song. I hope I use that word. Right. Cause otherwise I'm going to sound like an asshole. But, (laughs) yeah, he was talking about mortality in that song, which, by the way, I'm actually, uh, you were talking about, like, Leprous the one week we were uh, discussing music, and you were like, these songs are long, and I'm like, this is a 12-minute song, what are you talking about, Maria? You know what what a long song is, but, yeah, that was great, Uh, his relationship with the hometown and the song Copton, like, was really good, and then like gangs and violence and like outside factors and like good kid and then mad city. Um, which actually kind of reminds me of the show I'm watching again, the good place, which talks about stuff like that. So it was very appropriate that I'm listening to it now, but that does lead into my favorite song perfectly, which is good kid, which when I say that might be my favorite song I've ever heard throughout this podcast, I don't think that's an understatement. It is, it's gotta be, second best that worst that was a super duper good song like everything about that song hit perfectly his voice is uh i used it for a little peep but his voice is super hypnotic in that song um i can't think of the chorus off the top of my head uh but it's it's so good he it's just great i because i correct me if i'm wrong but he's talking about like 
like I said, like gangs and violence. And okay, I am right on that. And he's talking about how he has like no education and elation and stuff like that. It's uh, so good. It kind of reminded me of this one song from a band called Nonpoint that I had heard. I can't remember. It's off there too, the Pain album. But like the way he his vocals are stylized, it reminded me a lot of that. But it's it was so good. Like I can't I can't rave enough about that track. Honestly, that is so good. And Mad City is just as good too. Like they're kind of both sides of or part of the same coin or how, whatever that phrase is. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> and also, I'd like to add that the jazz beat behind it is really amazing too. That was really a nice departure. Which, by the way, uh, speaking of this the music in general how involved was dr dre on this album i'm so glad you mentioned that because if you didn't mention that i was going to mention that because we love talking about the dr dre extended universe on this podcast he is ever reaching ever touching the hip-hop universe um he as far as i know didn't really have any hand to my knowledge except for the songs he was featured on in production of this album but i remember it being a really big deal because with kendrick being from compton which is where nwa was from and he grew up and he was really established in that lineage in terms of hip-hop and geographic location and style and whatnot uh dr dre himself to my knowledge was kind of like passing the torch from like nwa to kendrick like kendrick was the next the next one so i think that's not you know off the mark at all dr dre is everywhere all the time especially in west coast hip-hop so the fact that Kendrick received like the stamp of approval from Dr. Jerry himself is just awesome and a very big testament to how sick Kendrick is and good for him very happy for him yeah because I actually did know he was under the Dr. Dre coaching tree before I got this album because I well he was at that halftime show and I think that's how I found out about it that he was involved um with that and I guess I have one more Dre question here was he doing vocals on the song Compton I don't believe so. I believe they had a gentleman do that. I'm going to look it up on title because they do have song credits. So continue on and I'll see what I find out. All right. Well, while we're trying to figure that out, you can listen to my favorite song on the album, Good Kid. Wasn't that song amazing? Such a, such a catchy chorus. Mass hallucination, baby. There you go. There you got my first singing on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. But yes, that is a tremendous song, which I, we found out that we don't know if Dr. Dre was on that song, but it seems likely that it was not. Um, but that also actually leads into another point. I think Kendrick Lamar is the most dynamic vocalist I've heard yet from any rap album that you've given me. Because um, a lot of them, I don't want to say they're one note, but like they kind of have their set ways, which can be said about any vocalist, really. They have their median line. Um, Kendrick was really good he had some very dynamic sections on this album like i had mentioned with his consciousness talking to himself and he was super good but i thought the musical quality which i had already mentioned this um the good beats and choirs which i guess actually isn't the case now that we've talked about it was the dre effect but it's probably still had an impact even if he wasn't he didn't have a heavy hand in it like 50 cent but yeah and this one, if I'm not mistaken, I looked it up. This one's also a concept album. Did you mention that to me at one point? I can't remember if I specifically mentioned it, but it definitely is like a concept album. It's talking about like his childhood and they even had like the voicemails from his grandma who he lived with. Those are always fun. When she was like, come back with the van. I need to go get my food stamps. Like, And then like the grandpa is in the background is like, and bring me my dominoes. It's just so good. It's just, it really creates like a world within a world in that whole atmosphere of this album so yeah just little things like that i think are what really make like a concept album really great which is actually really neat because like these are a lot of odd 
concepts that are used in you know like stuff that i listen to too which i never honestly expected from rap albums where they're kind of all over the place like in mad city like halfway through it it like cuts off and it kind of goes into something different it's cool i i like it a lot it's very uh unique in its own way in that regard so i thought the music was great and the con it flew together really well like a lot of these albums i'm getting the impression that a lot of the albums you listen to are like this, which is great because I also enjoy this type of thing. Honestly, I think overall I did enjoy the album. Like I said, I loved the back half of it a lot. Um, again, specifically Good Kid. I feel like I'm just going to keep raving on that song, but it is, wor- it is worth keeping me raving over. And yeah, I mean, I listened to a portion of a Macklemore song, which now that you said Macklemore, I do know who that is. What <sighs> He had a real popular song. It wasn't the song that you showed me, but... Either way, I mean, that song that you showed me was not nearly on the level, like, musically as anything on this album. So, yeah, I am very interested to hear more of this because, I don't know, I feel like it probably just keeps getting better for him, honestly. Because, I mean, I'm very much the line of thinking that people get better as they move along, not like, the first album's the best and it all sucks from there. Like, that's not how I think people... I mean, it's the same as, like, wrestling, right? Like, your first match is terrible, so it should get better in my opinion, but... No, this was really good. I uh, That's not to discredit this album, by the way. It was very solid musically, and I thought the lyrics were, when they got deep, they got really deep. And the progressive elements that I said, where he just kind of doesn't go with the conventions of normal rap, are very, very cool to me. And it also reminded me, I forgot to mention it, it really did remind me of that Mac Miller album you gave me, too. I think they were similar in their sounds, which is cool because Kendrick Lamar was on Mac Miller's album. So, yeah, I thought it was overall a really fun and solid experience. For sure. And I think that Kendrick specifically is such a dynamic presence in hip hop because uh, his albums after this one are very great. But he's also, in my opinion, very much quality over quantity. Like he has not released a lot of stuff since then. I was looking it up just now, aside from like side projects like the Black Panther soundtrack and some like unreleased EPs and whatnot. But since Good Kid Mad City, he's only released three albums like full-length albums since then so yeah kendrick in hip-hop is very much revered that like when's kendrick gonna have the next hip-hop album because everyone knows that once he does it's gonna be fantastic like it's very much what's gonna happen next like when are we gonna get it from him because he doesn't release anything every other year he's very much quality over quantity and that's what i appreciate about him so thanks for your time And that is all. Thank you for joining us as always, friends. Thanks for joining us on this journey of rage and contempt and loathing. Yeah, I feel like we often don't get into things that we dislike too much on this podcast, but today I was just feeling it. It just needed to be said. And so I will, you know, take this with a a vein of positivity, I guess, to lead us on out. To say that I don't mind Macklemore. I do think he's got some catchy pop songs. So this is not like a I hate Macklemore type beat. I just, that one particular occurrence, like I said, even the man knew that wasn't right. So, yeah, all love here. Go listen to Macklemore if you feel like it. As I was trying to think of this when I was talking about Macklemore in this podcast, Can't Hold Us is a really popular song, and I do like that, so there we go. Okay, yeah, see, so he does have some good songs. He got some bangers, yeah. But, yeah, I think I'm ready for next week. Should be a fun time. Um, I did mention to you this will be our first repeat artist. And so I think this will be good because I think it fits the the theme very well if you want to tell the people what the theme's going to be. So the theme for next week is going to be an album that we would give somebody in an attempt to get them into our respective genres.
which I think is really perfect because I mentioned this on the mailbag episode a couple weeks ago that everyone should go and listen to this because personally this is an album that I would give to somebody to be like hey I think you'd like this and it's hip-hop and while it's not quote-unquote textbook hip-hop or what people might think hip-hop is I think this is a really great album just to give anybody so without further ado I will go ahead and give you Swimming by Mac Miller because it is just fantastic accessible fun you kind of know the lore of Mac Miller as it is, so I don't need to give you the whole rundown again, the whole Wikipedia article. But yeah, this is the album that uh, followed the Divine Feminine. This is the album that he released uh, a month before he died. Um, like I said, it, it had a really happy tone. It was like a sense of renewed optimism because he had been going through a lot of shit in his life and people were wondering if he was okay. So then he released this album and it was really great and fantastic. And I hope you enjoy it. So not just Drake, but everyone. Go listen to Swimming. By Mac Miller. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm very excited to listen to this because I didn't. It, I did enjoy the Divine uh, Feminine. So, yeah, I actually came up with this uh, topic because, yeah, two weeks ago now or a week ago, yeah, a week ago, we discussed um, albums by bands no longer together, and there were two albums that I was trying to decide with. I ended up on Shadows Fall. But then I was like, I have to give you this album at some point. And this is where I created the genre because I do think it's truthful for this one. Uh, it is Heaven and Hell, uh, The Devil You Know is the album name. It is so good. It's so heavy. It's one of the heaviest albums personally I've ever listened to. And for those who don't know, this is, I should save some of it for the intro, but I'll just do it again next week. I don't care. You'll hear this twice. <laughs> it's the late, great Ronnie James Dio alongside Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler of Black Sabbath. And then Vinnie Apici, uh, some Italian name. I can't remember how it's pronounced. This was the Dehumanizer lineup, which in my opinion is the best Black Sabbath lineup. And this was kind of a side project they did. They did one album and then Ronnie James Dio died of pancreatic cancer. So this is the only album from this band and it is a fantastic album. And I'm very excited to hear what you think of it. Awesome. Well, I like the band name already. I like the album name. So it'll be a good time. I'll see you here next week. All you friends and fans and potentially enemies that listen to this podcast. <laughs> Take care. Love each other. And bye-bye. See you next week. Mass hallucination, baby. <laughs>